and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective with wit and wisdom. Today is a great day, and I'm going to tell you why. Because grace, we can never get enough of it. That's why I brought on my friend, Tullian Chevijan, and I cannot tell you how much over the moon happy I am that he's going to be with us today because, listen, we all need grace. And I believe in my heart that the American church has gotten this so completely wrong and backwards. This man has an expertise at it, and I'll tell you why. He grew up in South Florida as a native, the middle of seven children. He dropped out of high school and got kicked out of his house at 16 years old. After a few years of running from God, God captured him and gave him a burning desire to reach a broken world with God's boundless grace. He eventually graduated from Columbia International University, where he earned a degree in philosophy and Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando, where he earned his Master of Divinity degree. This guy knows a lot, y'all. A grandson of the late evangelist, my favorite, Billy Graham. Yeah, I said it, Billy Graham. Tullian was the founding pastor of New, Church, New City Church in his hometown of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which later merged with historic Coral Ridge. Does anyone remember that place? Presbyterian Church in 2009. Dr. Kennedy, right? <laughs> Where he served as senior pastor until June 2015. Okay, Tullian. <laughs> I hey, know, Annie. Oh, my gosh. Dude or pastor, <laughs> or writer, author, uh, everything yeah. else, fill in the blank, uh, <laughs> related to royalty in the Christian realm, right? Like, yeah. Billy Graham, what? <laughs> How are you today? Oh my gosh, I'm so happy you're here. I'm over the flipping moon excited. You don't even have, I was trying to get ready today because I was listening <laughs> to one of your preaches, the most recent one, and about the lepers, and I was like, I wanted to make a t-shirt like probably about five years ago about lepers saying, I'm a leper and proud of it. You don't want to touch me, do ya? So tell us, tell us this story about you. I, I, I'm just like so thankful that you well, get it. You well, get listen, it. first of all, thank you for asking me to be on. I'm honored. It's a privilege for me. Uh, I have watched you from afar for years and am super proud of the work that you do and are doing and have done. Uh, I mean, it's so strategic and your entire world and what you do is bathed in grace. I mean, it really is going to the darkest regions of human need and depravity and bringing redemption into that right. place. So that's huge. I love that. And so I've always loved that. So I'm a huge fan of yours also. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was born into uh, Christian royalty, as you said. I'm super <laughs> grateful for the family that I was born into. I didn't ask to be born into the family that I was born into. I don't deserve it, uh, but God gifted it to me, and I'm super grateful for that. Um, like you mentioned, middle of seven kids. I was the black sheep of the family. Uh, I have two older brothers and an older sister and two younger brothers and a younger sister, and I always marched to the beat of my own drum. Uh, I was telling some friends this morning— I have never once met a rule that I have not desperately wanted to break. And that's been sort of my <laughs> MO from the time I came into this world. Um, 
And so uh, I ended up dropping out of high school in uh, when I was 16 and getting kicked out of my house. My parents were basically like, listen, we love you, but if you're going to continue living this way, you can't live this way under our roof. I mean, we've got six other kids to take care of. So I gladly left. Uh, you know, when you're young and growing up in South Florida like I was and you no longer have teachers looking over your shoulders or parents breathing down your neck and you finally feel free to do whatever you want to do, uh, it's, you know, it's a wonderful feeling at first. And the mm-hmm. Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. And when that season comes to an end, you're left with a gaping hole in your soul that only God is big enough to fill. And that season came to an end for me when I was 21 years old. It wasn't one particular event or one particular crisis. It was just this overwhelming sense that there had to be more to life than what I was experiencing. There had to be more to who I was than what this world kept telling me. Right. Um, And so, you know, like the prodigal son, I made my way home and was welcomed with open arms. I tell people that the hound of heaven tracked me down and magnificently (laughs) defeated me and raised me from death to life. And from that moment on, I really felt like I wanted to tell the whole world about this amazingly gracious God who relentlessly pursues rebels like me. Um, I had grown up going to church, and even though the environment in my home was very gracious, oftentimes the Christian community at large is not very gracious. And so a lot of the churches I grew up in or the Christian schools that I went Mm to – It was more about rules and uh, behavior modification and all of that stuff. So I kind of grew up with this idea that God was perpetually annoyed with me because I couldn't get it right. I kept screwing up. And I concluded that based on what I was catching from the Christian community, I concluded that um, Christianity is for good people. And I knew I wasn't good. Therefore, Christianity must not be for me. Well, what I discovered when I was 21 is that. God only loves and uses bad and weak people who fail because there aren't any other kinds of people. So his grace captured me in a remarkable way. And I couldn't sing about grace, talk about grace without literally weeping in those early days. Um, And then something terrible happened to me that often happens to a lot of young converts. Uh, They get Christianized. And we get into the Christian community. And now the, the, the shift goes from what God has done for us to what I must now do for God. Um, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that that is a sort of a mark of the beast in a way? I know that's radical for me to ask you that, but yeah, yeah. Well, it's definitely Christianized. Yeah, it's definitely non-truth. And the Bible tells us that the, you know, that the devil appears as an angel of light. He appears to be safe. He appears to be, you know, uh, with it, he appears to be moving in the same direction God is moving. So it seems like that's the right way to go. But basically what moralism does and what I mean by moralism is this idea that Christianity is primarily about us and what we do for God rather than God and what he's done for us. So moralism is all about me, what I do, my performance, my obedience, my faithfulness, my devotion, and so on and so forth. What that does when that masquerades as Christianity, it inoculates us from the radicality of grace. Because when we do here, I'm telling you, Annie, I, I get more resistance when I preach, when I preach grace, which is what I preach when, 
when I share the radicality and the hilarity of grace with people inside the church, I get way more resistance than when I speak about the radicality and hilarity of grace to people outside the church. It's unbelievable. And that tells you that we've been bombarded with uh, what I would call a, a false gospel, really, is yes. what it is. A, a religious, um, no a religious gospel. gospel. A religious right. gospel is this, something that can't be religious because the gospel's good right. news. You can't have good news with religiosity, right? No, you cannot. You can't. You're exactly <laughs> right. No, you're exactly right. In fact, I'm, the current sermon series that I'm preaching at our church here in Jupiter, Florida, is called Irreligious. And basically, I'm walking through different parables, stories, episodes in the gospels and showing how there was nobody more anti-religious in all of human history than Jesus. No one, Amen. Uh, Amen. which is mind blowing to people when they hear that, because when they think about religion, they think about, well, religion's all about God. When in actuality, it's not religion's all about me. It's about what I do, my performance, the rules that I'm keeping. If I'm getting better, it's all about me and my climb to God, whereas Christianity is all about God and his descent to us in Jesus. That is so good. So you said they Christianized you, like they made you into this little soldier yeah. for them. Yeah. And then you got married, you obviously got married, had babies and three kids, yes. right? Three kids. I got, and, yes. Yep. Yep. And then went off to college, went off to seminary, yeah. was on a mission to tell the whole world about this amazingly gracious God uh, to make a very long story short, ended up rising to the top of my industry, was right. pastoring one of the most historic churches, was writing a book every year, was I, on TV I love that the church. World. I loved yeah. Paul Rich. I loved, uh, I used to watch Dr. Kennedy. Yeah, and yeah. Before he passed away, obviously. Yeah. I loved his heart. He had such a yeah. big heart for people. It, it was, so. and it was, that was the first church uh, in the United States where the entire worship service was aired on television. So there were other yeah. churches where the sermons would be aired on television, but Coral Ridge in the late seventies was the first church that actually went yep. global in airing an entire worship service. So it became famous for that and a host, a host of other things. But so I was writing a book a year. I was, um, I was traveling around the world speaking. I was, my sermons were aired all around the world weekly uh, on television. They were aired uh, every day on radio. And then in 2015, one year after I uh, met you via telephone, I, we talked in 2014, right. um, my whole world came crashing down. Uh, I ended up losing my first marriage because I was unfaithful to my first wife. Mm -hmm. uh, it was very public. Um, because I was a public person. My fall was public. Um, I mean, People Magazine, National Enquirer, USA Today, all of those, uh, you know, it, my, my worst, most embarrassing moment in life became my most famous moment. Um, and to be honest with you, I, uh, I wanted to crawl into a hole and die. Right, I really right. did. Um, right. you know, I didn't realize I've done, you know, I've, I've spent the last six years now really thinking through what happened. How do crashes and burns happen? How do you fall? Especially someone in my position that believed what I believed and was preaching what I was preaching. Um, and you know, that these things come on in my experience, like a, like this, the subtle shift of the tide rather than, uh, you know, the crashing of a tidal wave. So, you know, you'd sort of a slow shift that happens. And over time, what happened with me was um, 
the where my identity, which had previously been located in the message that I was preaching, the message of the gospel, uh, the, the good news that in Christ, everything I need, I have all of God's approval, all of God's acceptance, all of God's love. I already had that stuff because of what Jesus had done. Um, but something happened over a period of a couple of years, and it was so subtle, I didn't even detect it at the time. But uh, the my identity, which had been previously anchored in the message of the gospel, became uh, anchored in my success as a messenger right. of the gospel. And when that right. shift happens, when you begin to take ownership of something that belongs to God, it's game over. He will. Yes. He's gracious enough to take it away from wow. you. And he's That's gracious so enough to let you crash and burn. Um, so good. And in the process, so many of my own idols of my own heart were exposed. And so for the last six years, I've been on this journey of recovery, really. And it's been, Annie, I can, I'll tell you right now, I probably have less than I've ever had. Um, my wife and I started a church a year ago in Jupiter, Florida, and it's it's I, I tell it. people all the time. I mean, I tell people all the time. I'm like the the sanctuary, which is the name of our church, is a recovery place masquerading as a church. That's really what we are. There's there's not a whole lot about us that feels like any other kind of church. Um, and the kinds of people that are coming are amazing. So even though what I have is less and smaller than anything I've had before, everything feels so much more real and I'm so much yes. more free and I'm just oh, so man. grateful to God to be alive. Uh, really, I'm excited. Really. I'm yeah. excited for this. I, I, I'm, you know, I told my husband and he was like, I told him the kind of the story, but I didn't know all the details like you're saying right now. But yeah. when that was happening to you, I, I remember it. And I just, I, I, I just fell to my knees and prayed because I was like, you know you. what, God, you have him. You have him, yeah. and I rebuke any any type of spirits that are trying to come on him. By the way, yeah. when you said your name of your church, I all I saw was a bunch, a big crowd. By the way, of Gentiles, but yeah. former Pharisees, former yeah. Pharisees, yeah. realizing what they had done, and then realizing that they now are are free. So yeah. Yeah, you, it's, you know, and it really is. It's it's a place where freedom is preached, where freedom is embodied. Um, I'm just I'm I'm remarried. Uh, I got married five, almost five years ago now to my wife Stacy. Uh, she came. God dropped her into my life at the absolute perfect time. She came into right. my life when my life was a complete mess and everything had fallen apart. And I mean, God just knew exactly what I needed and brought her to me. She knew me because of she had read books of mine and had listened to sermons, but I didn't know her. She was from Texas. I was from South Florida, never met her, didn't know who she was. Um, and so, I mean, that was, has been a huge gift to me. Uh, my relationship with my kids, which has always been strong is even stronger now than it's ever been. They're older now they're wow. 26, 24 and 19. But, um, you know, it's amazing to me, the kind of healing that can happen when, uh, you stop blaming other people for the bad decisions you've made and you own it and you right. just, you own it <laughs> and you don't, you don't, you know, Adam and Eve, it was so funny. I was saying this last week uh, to a group of people that, um, you know, in the garden of Eden, everyone blew it. Serpent blew it. Adam blew it. Eve blew yeah. it. And when God came down to confront everybody, everybody blamed the other person. You know, Adam's like, well, it's this woman you gave me. And, you know, Eve's <laughs> like, well, it's this serpent that you put in the garden and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was like, God wasn't having any of it. He's like, no, 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 no. 
you're responsible for the decision you made, you're responsible right. for the decision you made, and you're responsible. And so there's a lot of freedom when you own it. And when you really believe, Annie, that all of the love you need, all of the approval you need, and all of the acceptance you need, you already have because of what Jesus has done for you, um, it sets you free to tell the truth about yourself without fear of rejection. Because I know that I will never have to withstand God's rejection. I can now handle your rejection. So if I tell you the truth about myself and you walk away from me, what keeps me going is knowing that God will never walk away from me. Well, that's freedom. I mean, that's bona fide freedom. And it makes you dangerous in all of the right ways (laughs) because you're just not afraid um, to tell the truth about yourself and to tell the truth about God's grace. The the true test of you realizing God's grace in your life, I I honestly see it in the situation that happened to you, a public fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, mm. in front of the entire world like mm. did you ever feel depressed and mad angry or did you did i guess maybe all those emotions happen but then also did you feel thankful that better happen right now than later Does that i sense? did not feel yes i d- it makes total sense i did not feel thankful in the beginning no, at of all. course not uh, <laughs> i was i was angry Um, I, my, my, uh, the, the complexity of my situation is such that I only feel the freedom to confess my own sin and not the sins of other people. So I leave a lot of the story out. Um, but there were, there were justifiable reasons for me to be angry. Um, I felt a tremendous amount of self-pity. I was angry at God. I was angry at other people. Um, I felt betrayed by people who I thought would stick with me come hell or right. high water. Oh, no, um, that's the key right there. Who are those people? Oh. Just kidding. I won't, I won't let oh, you yeah, yeah. tell us. <laughs> right. I mean, grace, but I did. Grace, I felt, grace. <laughs> yes, and it took a long time. You know, I think for me, I had, I started going to therapy and I started getting some great counseling. And it. Um, I think the freest I felt, Annie, to be honest with you, was when I finally decided, like I said a minute ago, through a counseling session, God ultimately, but through this counselor, that I would never experience freedom if I didn't own what I did. Very much like what they teach you in Alcoholics Anonymous and AA or NA, um, that you alone are responsible for the decisions that you made. Uh, No one forced you to, no one caused you to. And and so... um, you know, it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to you, but how you respond to that, how you handle that. Um, and so that's when I started feeling freedom and joy started seeping back into my life. But up until that time, I mean, I will be completely honest with you. I was angry. I was depressed. I was suicidal for a solid 18 months. I had never been suicidal in my life. I'd never been depressed. I mean, I've always been sort of this mm. outgoing, extroverted, charismatic right. kind of person who loved life. And now I was convinced that death was preferable to life. I can't tell you how many times I seriously planned out my suicide. I actually have on my phone, I was telling a group of people the other night, I have saved on my phone a suicide letter that I wrote. Uh, I mean, and it's so funny, anybody who's listening or watching would know this to be true. When you're in that state, just the thought of taking your own life becomes relieving to you. Because you start thinking, I could, this pain could go away tomorrow. Um, and the only reason I didn't, uh, I mean, God protected me, obviously, but the, the, the earthly reason I didn't was I couldn't, 
I could not even fathom the idea of putting my kids through any more pain than I had already put them through. Um, and thank God. I mean, God has brought about redemption in my life in ways that I never thought possible. I was convinced three or four years ago that I would never be happy again, that I would never experience joy again, that I would never love life the way I used to love life again. And he's got me in this spot right now where I feel more comfortable in my own skin than I've ever felt, more free, more content, more content. That's the big thing okay. for me. No, I'm not- no, I, I, what I notice about you is from past preaches before yeah. this happened to now you're a totally different person. Like you're... Well, yeah. Uh, the what you're teaching is like almost I, I can't exp- I can't explain it, but it, I saw a big difference, mm. and it's such a it, it's such a good thing because when I mess up as and I've done it as a Christian, obviously, but y- there's this loss of trust from the people that trusted you, right? Yeah, so you right. Have, it's like you it's like just like that grace you talk about that you don't earn, but they want you to earn it. They yes. want you to prove that you've yes. changed. You yes. have to prove. But with yeah. Christ's love, we don't have to prove a thing. No, right? no, we don't. No, no. And that's, you know, the beautiful thing is this. Um, we talk, we, we act as if, or we, we talk as if grace is a gift for the undeserving, but we act as if it is compensation for the hardworking. That's the way right. we act. Uh, and which is totally so good. anti-grace, <laughs> totally anti-grace. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, I mean, I can't tell you, and I'm sure you've heard this before as well, but I can't tell you how many times I have had people who I don't know, who don't know me, um, question whether my repentance is real, whether I've really changed. And the beautiful thing is that really used to matter to me. I used to care about that. It used to haunt me that I couldn't prove myself to everybody. Real change has happened, and I want to prove it. And now I just go, I don't care if you believe it or not. I mean, it really doesn't matter to me. And I think the one of the things that the gospel gives us is when you know that God loves you unconditionally, you don't care if everybody else likes you. You don't need everybody else to like you. When you know you have God's approval, you don't need everybody else's approval. So it really sets you free. Like the Apostle Paul, when he said to live as Christ, to die is gain. Like everything I need, God's given me. There's nothing you or this world can take away from me. So I'm good no matter what, no matter what, I'm okay. Mm. Um, That is, I mean, that is not just a gift, but that gives your life great power and boldness and courage to, to not just tell the truth about God, but to tell the truth about yourself. Um, and so it's been a really, it's been a, it's been an incredibly painful journey for me and for other people. Um, but on this side of things now, I look back and I am absolutely thankful. Absolutely. My wife who echoes something you just said a minute ago, she said, you know, I listened to all your sermons before you bottomed out. And she said, all of your sermons were very sympathetic toward the sufferer and the sinner. But now when I listen to you, your sermons are empathetic to the sufferer and sinner. It's not just that you're hearing what people are saying, you're feeling what they have felt. And she said, even though the message is the same, the messenger is different. Because I'm always lamenting, this is going to sound terrible, but I'm always going, gosh, you know, I, I, I hear snippets of my sermons from before and I think, my preaching was better then than it is now. Like my mind's not as sharp. 
Well, that probably is. She's always there to graciously remind me. She's like, listen, I don't know what you're hearing or what you're seeing. All I know is... All I know is this, you're a different guy, and that comes through. And that's just the work of God. I mean, there really is the fact that God can bring beauty out of ashes. I mean, resurrection is his business, and that's he does right. that to that's us right. all the time. It, so. It, it's so good, Tully. And listen, hmm. you, you have a, we have a couple minutes left. I want to know how people can follow you and, you know, question and and you know actually get yeah. set free if they message you or your team because there's yeah. people that are going to watch this they're right now are watching and listening that need to get set free from their own legalism and their own pharisaical attitude and their own ungrace for themselves yeah so and their own can, guilt and shame yeah, and regret absolutely yeah. And, yeah. and and maybe they're suicidal maybe they're depressed so yeah. wh- where can they find you and also let's pray or you pray actually yeah, yeah. get them set free right now Go for yeah. it. Well, I, so they can find me. They can go. I mean, they can find me a couple different places. My website's just Tullian.net, T-U-L-L-I-N.net. And they can email me there. Um, I get all of those. I don't have a team of people. My wife and I are the team. <laughs> so, so I get them. Um, on Facebook, they can find me just Tullian T. Instagram is Tullian T-C-H. Uh, and then the sanctuary. They can go to the sanctuary. They, they just look up the sanctuary Jupiter or the sanctuary Florida. They can find it. We have a YouTube channel. So they can get all my sermons. Um, they can go and, you know, they can find all they have to do is go to YouTube, look up either my name or the Sanctuary Jupiter and they'll get the channel. And so, yeah, there's plenty of places I'm out there and they can find me. Yes. And so, your books, yeah. your books are all on where? Uh, well, all on Amazon. Uh, yes. I just recently okay. released a book of mine that I wrote originally in 2011, but we just re-released it with a new introduction that kind of takes into account the last six years of my life called Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. Um, easy title Love to remember. It. They can find that on Amazon. Um, so, yeah. Yes, they can find me. People can, And we, we literally, Annie, get hundreds of notes and letters from people all over the world who tell us wow. their own stories because I'm so out there with my story. Wow. They feel safe telling me. Um, my God. And James. James uh, yeah, it, it, it's in James. Confess your sins to one another. I'm yeah. telling you, people are getting healed through your obedience in your ministry. I'm telling you. Uh, well, can you pray you. for these people that are? Yes. Maybe they don't think that they can be given a yeah. second chance. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, <laughs> let's pray. God, you know the people who are tuning in better than we do, better than they themselves do. You know their fears, you know their insecurities, you know their frustrations, you know their secrets, you know their struggles. And my prayer for all of them right now is that you would meet them right where they are, that that you would make yourself and your amazing grace and your outrageous mercy known to them right where they are and in those places where they desperately need to experience those things. Mm. Uh, I pray that you would bring healing across the board. You know uh, how many out there are dealing with guilt, shame, regret, loss. Uh, And you are the great physician, the great redeemer, the great resurrector. Uh, You can bring beauty out of ashes like you have in my life, like you have in Annie's life. Uh, So we ask you to do that. We know that you can. We pray that you will. Um, 
And I just, I, I just pray your protective covering over these people, all of them, um, that mm. you would, in some cases, bring them to a point where they realize how desperate they are. And for those who are feeling their desperation, uh, bring healing to them in a profound and tangible way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Talia, I'm so sad that the time's over, but listen, we will be getting you on here again. And also, if you guys, again, want to follow him, please just go to Tullian.net. Is that what you said? Tullian.net. Tullian.net is one place they can find me. Yep. Yes. They can email me there. Yep. And, or the Sanctuary and, website and all, yeah, all that stuff. And I highly recommend everything he's talking about right now on Facebook because I'm going to be back watching all your videos, dude. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting set free again. I'm not kidding you. I, like, I am totally I in set free. So, so we are so honored that you came today, Tullian, and we will see you next time on Annie's Thanks, Face Annie. Thank you. Thank you.